This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. It's me, Roz. I don't have much to say in this intro today, but I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. There's this Instagram account that I've been following for a little while now, and I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast follow it. And so I reached out and got the person that runs it on the show. That Instagram is called at haunted.historian. And the person that runs it is named Connor Gossel. And Connor is a paranormal investigator. Turns out we got some stories. And as I kind of teased last week, I wait till the end of this conversation because it's one of the most frightening stories. I don't know why, but it just got me. And Connor can tell a story. So... It's a good one. I like this conversation a lot, and I hope you will as well. And as always, if you want a little extra, go over to Patreon. We got a couple of little clips on there. I took a little bit out of my little rapid-fire, unexplained paranormal phenomena section of the show. Put some of that on Patreon. So we talk about aliens. Turns out I asked Connor about haunted dolls, one of my favorite topics. And Connor owns multiple haunted dolls. So we talk about that. And um, we also talk about when you have, when you see a haunted place and it just, everything about it looks haunted, but then it's like, it's not. And what do you do in that event? Because if you don't know about this Instagram page, The Haunted Historian, it is so cool. It it's gorgeous photographs of a lot of like obscure haunted places, like places not not always your typical haunted places that you see on the TV shows or you read in the books, you know. The Haunted Historian really gives you uh, it exposes you to some kind of 
unknown haunted places. And there's always a great write-up about the history of it. And that's that's why I really like everything that Connor does on uh, The Haunted Historian on Instagram. So again, if you want to hear a little bit more, go to patreon.com slash also a link in the bio. And I finally, finally decided to do something that I've been asked to do for a long time now. Listen, I am... I do not claim to be a makeup artist or anything like that, but when you're known as a drag queen, people always want you to do makeup tutorials, and I've done a little bit of it over the years. I'm not going to lie, I've been approached to do, actually a couple of times I've been approached to do some of these, like, I don't even know what you call them, like really viral uh, YouTube or Facebook pages or whatever that do uh, makeup tutorials with with drag queens. And I've I've never wanted to do it. (laughs) I, I think, I don't know, I think a lot of it has to do with not wanting to be seen out of the full face. And I don't know, at this point, I just kind of don't care. And so I thought, where where better to do it than Patreon? So I put up a a two-part video. The first part came out this week showing you how I do like highlighting and contouring and uh, take you through that journey of how I transform into Ruz Drez Falez. So check that out. Link in the description of this episode. And go follow The Haunted Historian on Instagram. All right. Here's my conversation with Connor Gossel. On with the show! <sighs> I am joined by an instalebrity today, Connor Gossel, a.k.a. The Haunted Historian. Hello, Connor. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. I'm, um, I'm a little starstruck. I love your Instagram so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm always, like, in awe of people that are good at Instagram, because I am not. And, um... You really give it to the children. You are very good at it. Um, so thank you for, for taking the time to join me. Absolutely. I appreciate the, uh, the very kind words there. How did, you, how did you get into this whole Instagram uh, haunted historian game? Yeah, you know, I have been an investigator since the middle of high school. And once college kicked off and the group of friends that I had I kind of traveled all around the Midwest doing investigations and we all went our separate ways uh, to do our studies at respective universities. Uh, The opportunity to investigate wasn't as prevalent. And, you know, being uh, an avid horror ghost and paranormal enthusiast, I really had the urge all the time to just head out and spend a, a hellacious amount of money all out of my own pocket to rent out an entire place and just do an investigation. But being in college and, uh, you know, a stereotypical broke college student, I did not have the funds to do that. So I really just made The Haunted Historian almost three years ago now, really just kind of initially to get all the uh, the horror jitters out of me and places that I was thinking about posted on there and share people's stories and their, their accounts, their encounters, what's going on uh, in their neck of the woods. And, you know, never really expected for it to balloon to what it is at this point in time. You know, really started out with the smallest intentions, but you know, that's how it all happened with uh, just a desire to get all the spookiness in my mind out onto some physical format. So how does that work? People, they send you like, you know, you get submissions from around the world. Yeah. You know, that doesn't happen so much anymore in the sense, well, in the sense that we get more submissions than ever of people's homes, of places that they want to see covered. Uh, but we don't, we aren't able to do as many of them anymore. And that's just because if you start from the bottom of the page and you follow up to uh, the quality of the posts now, uh, it, it significantly gets better picture, better image quality. And a lot of places that people want to cover, they don't have these the images of or a, a good image does not exist online. So a lot of it now is just an extensive amount of research by my uh, my team and myself uh, trying to closely match locales and regions that people are wanting us to really dive into. So where do you, where do people, uh, like I was thinking like, what's 
based on what people tell you or submissions or requests or whatever, like, would you say that there's a region or a place around the world that's like the most haunted? My, my hesitation in answering that was because I was trying to think how to, how to exactly say it. I think that there are countries that have a wild propensity for paranormal, uh-huh. just given their history and how much longer they've been around. And then there are some countries who put such an emphasis on the supernatural and other realms in the afterlife that they just seem to interact with the living in such a heightened manner and i a lot of those places are places in the south pacific or in eastern asia uh or if you you know deviate away from the new world like the u.s and australia and go over into europe there are places that have been around for a lot of them a millennia beyond even some of the oldest places here in the u.s and they just have such history behind them so you know a lot of the times those are the those are the places i want to cover more of but the vast majority of followers being here in the U.S., uh, it's not always as relatable for them. But mm. absolutely, other countries have such a, a different characteristic in their haunting. So I always wonder, like, the like I think we all have this idea, we're just conditioned. And, and I'm, there is a lot of fact, I think, or truth to this, that the older a place, the more haunted it is, which... I guess could, would make sense if you think about like, oh yeah, so many things have happened in a place, so there's more opportunities for ghosts. But like, that's not always the case, right? Absolutely, yeah, you're completely right. I mean, I, I certainly have uh, driven by an old, dreary building with my friends and pointed at it, just like, oh, that place is definitely haunted. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think being around longer, having that more extensive history, gives a location. Uh, more of a chance and more of a time to have developed kind of misfortune and mishaps in families or caretakers or facility management. So it's usually just those older buildings that have a darker history because they come from an era when safety wasn't a, a, a prime concern. They come from an era if they were sanatoriums or hospitals where medical practices weren't quite what they are now where they come from points in time where life didn't last as long where medicine wasn't as great where relations between families was a lot more hostile because there wasn't as many you know protections by by the law so i i think it's really just those places come from a darker period in human history in a lot of senses and it really opens them up to being haunted compared to places today i mean have you ever encountered a jail a hospital a sanatorium like any of these haunt like these uh abandoned places that wasn't haunted i feel like they all are try i'm i'm racking through my mind here um the one that i would say i never got any clear-cut definitive evidence i was i was flown out to uh to Dallas into Mineral Wells, and I traveled all the way to its its eastern border because there was an old Vietnam War hospital there called Beach Army Hospital that the owners were interested in opening up to the public. And um, I kind of was jo- I knew the owner personally. And I joked around with him about it. I, I had no idea that he was going to be bringing me out there to actually check it out and run through that whole operation. And one thing I told my team after it was that I had never been so comfortable in a building that had the stories that the owners were telling me. <laughs> Usually you're all kind of clumped together. You're walking line, just in straight lines down the uh, the hallways, all kind of bundled up, peering in rooms very cautiously. But I was just, while he was giving us a tour, walking in and out of rooms, going into uh, adjacent hallways, just not a care in the world. And I didn't really notice my behavior and how fine I felt in there until after I left. And there were some things that happened, but it was the first time I'd ever been inside a facility with its history and backstory where I left and part of me thought that place might not be haunted. I think this place might be fine. I'll, I'll do what the owner would like and open it to the public and offer the stories. But, you know, if whatever evidence they get, they're the first ones to ever experience it because I, I sure as hell didn't see anything. Do you get scared? Oh, I get I get horrified. One of the really? things that that um not bugs me, but I think dissuades a lot of would-be investigators from heading out is that so many people will look at investigators doing their own hunts and they'll say something in the comments or there's they'll say something um 
however they interact with their fans and just be like, you know, I could be locked up in there for two or three days and I wouldn't even care. Like, I'm so brave. Nothing would scare me. And none of this bothers me at all. I'd punch a ghost in the face <laughs> and everything along <laughs> right. those lines. And it's like, you know, investigate isn't, isn't about being macho. And especially when you're showing what you see to the world, you know, they want to have that human component. They want to see your emotion. They want to see how you interact with fear. I think anybody who goes into a, an investigation and says that they're not afraid or they're not worried of what an outcome could be, I think they're partially lying, at least, because I am terrified. I leave most investigations wondering and questioning why I'm involved in this whatsoever. <laughs> Well, I always wonder, too, like, if I was plopped into, like, a super haunted place, it would be really interesting to think about how much of this is, like, my preconceived notion. You know, I think I'm terrified if I go to a haunted place knowing that it's, you know, I've heard so many stories about all the things that happen at this place and have happened there. And, you know, I think that that really affects how I would feel my comfort level while there. But And then you go, you know, is do I really have... Um, instincts that tell me that you know i'm picking up on vibes or whatever yeah and that's a completely valid point to make i mean there are a lot of i I like to believe that i can kind of feel if a place is haunted but at this point in time if i ever feel comfortable like i did in that hospital it could just be because i've been in so many that's what i was gonna say i'm like is that a sign that you need to like get you know (laughs) up the ante and head to some real spooky places Exactly. That, and that, that's the fear nowadays that if I, uh, if I want to really get scared and into an investigation, I got to find a place that nobody's ever been to, which is hard to come across these days. Well, that's what I love about your Instagram is that there's so many places that I don't I never knew about. And it got me really thinking about because, you know, I talk to so many people about haunted places and sometimes they'll have these amazing stories about places that like most people don't know. Like there's so many haunted places out there. Sure. There's like the ones that you know, make all the rounds on the paranormal shows, but then there's like, you know, someone lives in a house for years and they might not be the personality type that is like, Oh, I'm going to go tell everyone, you know, sometimes people just live with it for years. Sometimes people, you know, it, it just depends. I mean, those are kind of like the, uh, the ones that that we want to hear about because you know no one else has ever heard the stories i mean do you encounter that where you you stumble on these places where you're like oh this is this is what we're looking for we've never heard this story before yeah you know that is what we really try to focus on for most of our posts is you know it, finding exactly what you just mentioned the locations that no one really thinks about or none of the shows really go to or isn't really given as much attention but the history behind them and the the accounts that you find from the caretakers or from locals are just truly horrific or just truly mesmerizing to hear about and that and that's kind of why um you know it's it's difficult the, the the longer the page lasts the harder it gets to find that content places that people beyond that periphery haven't really heard about so i would say these days doing a post and the research for it and the picture rights and the write-ups it's like a three or four hour process putting it all together and you know some days we, we always try to do it every other day but then some days there's just no location that excites us there's nothing that we look at like this is new and original content that would benefit people and mm-hmm. so sometimes there's like a week where we don't post because we're like diving deep every single day trying to find that spot and we're just not stumbling across it and then the, and then the very next day you'll hop back on and you find like 12 of them so right i mean i deal with that with like getting guests on my podcast too <laughs> where i'm like i need someone with a good story or get something good to talk about i totally get it um do you uh do you have a post where you're like i feel like everyone that has an instagram is like whether they want to say it or not, they're like, this post right here is is what I aim to recreate for the rest of my Instagram career. This is just the perfect post. Do you have one of those? I like to think, I, I would like to think I have a number of them, but it, yeah. it's for varying reasons. They, um, above all else, because the content that there was or the, the lack of insight a lot of people had in that location seemed to surpass the other posts 
Uh, sometimes it's petty and it's just like, oh my God, this this, this post got the most likes. Mm-hmm. I, I, really, I hope that just keeps happening. And then sometimes it's just a place that has an incredible story and truly unique accounts that I, I haven't really ever come across in my travels or in the things that I've read. But for whatever reason, it's popping into my head right now, the, my favorite location that's kind of just the quintessential haunted house. And I'm pulling it up right now on my phone, so I don't want to mess up its name. It, it's based in Belvedere, Illinois. It's called the Nellie Dunton House. And if memory serves me properly, it goes along the lines of she had a she was a widower. Her husband died in war as a classic cliche. I don't mean that as anything bad against her, but it was a that's always how it kind of the the romantic horror novel goes. Mm-hmm. And she ended up drowning herself in the river behind the house. And what's horrifying about it is that numerous families have lived there in between. And I believe to this day it's a museum. And one thing that the families and that current staff and even some visitors uh, have reported is that there are numerous times, usually towards the end of the evening or going into the night, where the front door and the back door will just open up. And a lot of people kind of like chalk it up to a draft, even though, of course, you know, it's locked and it's it's happening at the same time every night. But it always starts, the back door swings open, people will go check it out, there's nothing there, and then the front door, like 20 seconds, swings open. And they never close themselves. They, they, they open right up just like that. Like somebody's coming in the back door and walking out the front. And the creepiest thing about it is that on numerous occasions, and if you go online, pretty sure you can actually find some uh, images that individuals have taken. There are wet footprints that walk all the way from the back door. No. To the front door. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's just so many other very unique occurrences at the Nellie Dunton house and where I... It's not often these days that I, I, I read about a location and get like shivers up my spine, but I can just kind of picture that. And I'm like, somebody's got to send this to Hollywood. That is horrifying. <laughs> that is so good. Oh my God. The wet footprints. <sighs> okay. That gave me shivers. <laughs> when did you know that you had a hit with your, with your account? Um, I'm not sure in, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm aware that it's popular. I I don't know that I would consider it a hit. I and I guess that's just me. I uh, I have a thing not against Instagram influencers, but like I could never consider myself an influencer. I could never uh, consider it uh, any degree of fame or anything like that. I'm happy the page is connected with people, but um, I guess the the one the one point there's been where I kind of was verified in some sense like okay okay maybe there's more to this than i'm than i'm humbly giving it and that was just uh, the turn of the year this past year and i uh, i woke up on i think it was like january 2nd january 3rd and the page had been verified and i'm like oh god that is not something i ever expected to happen <laughs> yeah that's amazing i'm like over here all hollywood like trying to make you uh sound all like cocky or whatever and you're so funny how you're like so humble and i'm like come on brag brag you'll you'll never you'll never hear me bragging like you know it's my my picture is not on there for a reason like i said at the beginning you know it's really meant to be you know the story of our paranormal experiences the shared community both here in the u.s and around the world you know it sounds cheesy as hell to say but you know the haunted historian is kind of like an umbrella term everybody's the haunted historian everybody is involved in this investigation this is the story of us not just myself so let's talk about you as a paranormal investigator did you um did you grow up in a haunted house i feel like that's uh usually how it works yeah uh i there were my, my parents denied it for a long time but as we as we got older, my brother started uh, asking questions about things that happened in the house um, over the course of the years that we lived there. They kind of started to my mother especially kind of started to uh, give way. Like, yeah, there there was something going on in that home, and I actually for the life of me, I couldn't tell you how it actually came about. But uh, Travel Channel ended up uh, including our home in uh, a series outlining childhood nightmares and stuff like that. So, what? Yeah, if you go on to um, what is it? I think it's on Discovery Plus, My Childhood Nightmare. It's uh-huh. like the, uh, the, I think it's like episode four. And it's just like outlining 
you know, what happened in my, in my home growing up, you know, they, they took some liberties, <laughs> but they got most of it correct. Did you get reenacted? I did. I, <gasps> they did, they did pretty well for me. They, for my, I had a friend who was just a, you know, a, a normal looking dude, you know, a head of, head of brown hair, just typical guy. And uh, the kid that they got to play him was just some, some dude with the, this big mohawk just sitting down next <laughs> to me and we're, we're watching it just cracking up like oh my god they really just said you know what we don't care who the hell plays nick let's just get some white guy in there and it's gonna work out i love talking to people that have been reenacted you know i talked to a lot of people (laughs) that were on celebrity ghost stories and it's always funny to hear uh, who gets offended who (laughs) by who they you know who they choose to reenact you who Sometimes the wigs are a little uh, crazy, but okay, I have to see that. So this it's you telling the story of what happened. Yeah, it's 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 me telling the story and um, being reenacted. I th- it, it's funny you said that's like we were more excited to see who they cast to play us than we were yeah. to actually do the episodes. <laughs> but uh, I I had no complaints, and my my friend didn't either. We just thought it was so wildly ridiculous who they who they cast for him. But it was it was a fun experience. It was a uh, the whole ordeal of of filming it was much longer than I uh, would have thought. But it's gives me some cool insight going forward since shows like that get made all the time about what the process is like. Yeah. What it what is the story? Well, um we were the first house in our neighborhood to be constructed. I want to say the year was right around 1996, 1997. And where was know, this? This was in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Just uh, just south of Dayton, down there in like the uh, the southwestern portion of the state, uh, it, it was very underdeveloped at that point in time. In that there were a f- bunch of forests, bunch of rivers, cornfields everywhere. You know, we weren't living in like BFE, but it was kind of like the one step above there on the rung. But and this is this goes this is a uh, I should do better about it. I've never really looked into the history. And I think a lot of it is because I never really wanted to know the history. The one thing I could have guessed about our home is that that area of Ohio is absolutely littered in Indian mounds. And we lived surrounded by forests and cornfields and everything of that nature. So that's always what I kind of you know appeased my mind by saying was just, you know what? We were probably pretty close to a mound or something, and things were acting up inside of our house. And mm-hmm. as more houses got built, the activity stopped in our house for the most part. It was really kind of just all the way up till I was 13 years old. And it was everything from, uh, to give you two specific occurrences, my oldest brother wakes up one day, and he comes down to the, the, the breakfast table, and he's like, Hey Shane, where you? My, Shane is my my brother, and he asks my my brother Shane, "Were you standing in my room last night?" And Shane, because Shane had a kind of this like history of sleepwalking, and he's like, "No, I was actually I, I was awake like two hours past you last night. Like I was not walking around, and I could verify that because I slept in the, in the same room as Shane." And so Colin's like, "Huh." I like woke up and I thought I saw like this like weird gray misty figure of you just standing in front of my bed. And we kind of laughed, but uh, I had had some experiences. I didn't really like hold it against them. I didn't really, I didn't say anything, but I didn't hold it against them. And like one month, like, one month later, uh, I'm in the, the bunk bed that Shane and I shared. And I wake up and I think Shane is standing in front of my bed. And I kind of just start talking like, Shane, what are you doing? Are you sleepwalking? And it had the same look that Colin had described, very gray, very misty. And I'm kind of like getting out from under my sheets, like seeing if he's okay. And as I'm getting out, I like I hear Shane on the top bunk of the bed kind of roll over like, are you okay? Why are you getting up? And I look uh. back to the edge of the bed and it's just gone. Now, I, I will say in the reenactment in the episode, they decided to make it into this like gray cloaked demonic entity crawling out from under my bed and trying to like drag me under or something. And I saw that. I just like, okay, well, I can't send this to my family now. I don't want them to think that I was like out there just like our house was possessed by the devil. It was the (laughs) darkest thing there ever was. I think the creepiest thing that ever happened in the home and it was completely benign, nothing wrong with it. I think from the ages of 12 to 15, 
between the ages of 12 to 15, uh, I had my own room at this point. Every single night, or at least every other night, I would lay down in bed. The lights in the hallway would still be on. Uh, being the younger brother, I went to bed kind of usually before everybody else. And the lights would usually stay on or they'd click off. But I would usually hear the footsteps at the very least of my parents coming up the stairs and going to bed once everybody was passed out and where they're supposed to be. And then my mother would come into my room and she would sit down on the edge of my bed and she would kind of just rub my back or, you know, jostle my hair or something or just like sit there, like pat my leg. And I was never really asleep. I had terrible sleep problems as a child. It used to like an hour or two to pass out. So I was usually awake, but being like a 12, 15 year old, I'm acting like I'm like I'm passed out. And years later, years down the road, um, I cannot remember, remember the context that it came up in, but I asked my mother around my brothers one time that where I just mentioned her coming into my room and sitting down and doing that for years. I'm, I think I was saying something along the lines, like, you know, it's really sweet of you to always come in there and check on me and you'd stay in there for like 15, 45 minutes. Like that was, uh, you know, it was, it was I already weird. know where this is going and I don't like it. Yeah, you're probably thinking it correctly. She kind of like laughs. Like she, I remember, like come like she's like drinking water, and like water came out of her mouth, but she like was like chuckling. She's like, "Why in the hell would I go into my grown son's room, all three of you, and sit there and pat you guys for 45 minutes every single night?" And we all just kind of looked at each other because they they had experienced that sometimes, but it happened to me almost every single night. And she swore up and down, just like, I can tell you without, you know, a, a shrapnel of doubt, I never came into your room and did that. So for three years of my life, that was where it was happening. And the only thing I've ever been able to think about is that that is the room where my grandma would stay when she visited and right dur- at, and kind of right when it started is when she passed away. So I'm pretty sure that she was visiting that room for years in the afterlife where she would always stay at our house when she came to Ohio and just, I guess, since I was there in her old room, just doing that. But my mom was just like, you're, you were asleep. You probably were having a dream. I'm like the same dream every night for three years. Like I was wide awake. My eyes were open. Sometimes I felt the indentation on the bed. Like it's enough for me to now 10 years later, sit here and talk to you about (laughs) it wasn't a dream this happened so much oh i love how you thought that your mom was being all sweet to you and she's like "Mm, no (laughs) (laughs) you thought wrong that's not what i'm doing (laughs) oh my god that is so like i mean scary i i dealt with grandma stuff ghost stuff too as a kid and it's like it's just like a weird thing where I'm like, okay, it's not like scary because it's my grandma, but it's like, you know, it's something. <laughs> I still don't want to turn around and see anybody's ghost. I don't care who it is. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. Um, so when you said that your parents kind of like denied it or whatever, I mean, did did it come out that they did have their own experiences the whole nothing, time? Nothing specific ever came out is nothing nothing ever came out for my uh my father my mother was more so just kind of willing to concede like without saying any details of her own like you know what it's possible you know what that that house was weird sometimes i'll admit it like this or that and i never really pushed her for it she's a very a very religious woman um doesn't necessarily turn a blind eye to that topic matter but it's not anything she likes to talk about so i wasn't going to sit there like poking and poking like no tell me no tell me maybe Mm -hmm. she will one day but uh it's sounding like my my brothers and i got the worst of it if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. 
explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. So when did you start investigating? I, I started investigating beginning of my junior year in high school, and the uh, Beaver Creek was just starting to get some uh, normal town stuff, like a, a Chipotle and a bowling alley and stuff like that. <laughs> but I know, exciting times. But it was it was still a very um, a very small town, and we were all kind of just thinking, you know, what can we do that's out there a little different than this weekend than what we typically do. And oddly enough, we all separately watched you know, Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters and shows like that. And we're like, you know what? Let's venture somewhere. Let's do some research and find a spot that we want to go to. And admittedly, when when we first did it, we, well, when we first did it, there were 12 of us. Now there's just three. But um, when we first did it, it was more of a, no- a novelty. It was something cool, something cool to talk about. Um you know, road trips are always half the fun and being in high school, that was a big deal to us driving like four and a half hours up to uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania to um, Hillview Manor. And after that night, you know, it stopped being a novelty and started being a passion and three out of the 12 of us just kept at it. And I think at this point, uh, one of the three just mainly helps out with research, but there are two of us that really just kind of go all around the, uh, the U.S. doing this stuff. Wow. So how, how much do you do it these days? These days, uh, I do it for, I guess, three reasons. I'll, I'll list them in a hierarchy. The most common reason I'm going out and doing an investigation is because a friend of mine who follows the page, sorry, I'm not, not a single friend, but uh, n- numerous friends who follow the page. If I'm back in Ohio or uh, here in Scottsdale, where I currently live, I'll be like, oh, that's such a cool page. You should take me out sometime. And I'm never going to turn them down. Like, yeah, by all means, let's uh, let's go to some place. And so I'll usually just go to um, uh, not a random place, but a well-known place. If I'm back in Ohio, we'll go to the Gill House or we'll go to Bobby Mackey. That's like 45 minutes down the road. Ooh, uh, that place to, seems freaky. It, it is. And oddly enough, being so close to it, what most consider one of those haunted places in the country, I think it took six years in my paranormal career to actually realize just how close it was i knew it was in kentucky but i didn't know wilder was literally like on the border of ohio and was like 45 minutes away and i just kind of like hit myself in the head like gosh i could have been going there for years now but oh well the the second reason is because i am scouting a location to help a place begin doing paranormal investigations and figuring out what that marketing is going to require and the third reason, which is the far more rare reason for going, is typically I've found a spot that I've never heard of before. I can't find anything about it, but I want to go there. I want to investigate it. I want to cover it, and I want to shoot uh, a video on it. I think the last time I did that was Beach Army Hospital like 10 months ago, but I have this one spot that I'm actually getting ready to go to. I don't want to mess up its name either. I have it listed here in my notes amongst a very expansive list of places that I am trying to get to. The Johnson County Poor Farm and Asylum in Iowa. It is, I know a lot of places are called poor farms. This place is literally a farm and they have old barns littered all across the property that if you actually step foot inside, were refurbished like a century ago to be cages and I guess a makeshift prison for the asylum patients that they had coming in there. And this place has no online 
reputability or reputation, but, and I, I don't even know that it's haunted, but I am, I'm going out there after talking with the property owners to check this place out. And they had some cool sherries, some cool stories to share and see if this is a place that people should start paying attention to, because as far as asylums go, I've never seen one like this. Oh, have you been to, to LA at all to do any ghosty stuff? Uh, I've been to San Diego. Um, I, I have a brother who lives in LA, well, my, my older brother, Colin, but I have not been there just yet. There are a number of places I want to go to there, but LA being, you know, it's expansive, but it's condensed at the same time, very high population area. A lot of the locations there, it's hard to get sole access to, or a lot of them wouldn't stay open later for any degree of an investigation, unless you have like a, you know, the budget of a network show behind you. So see, that's the thing with LA. It's like so many of these places know about like charging people to rent, you know, for filming locations and stuff that it's like, "Mm, we're not going to be fooled. Like here we need money. We need the insurance. Like, yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, but I, I would love to, I'd love to come out there and do an investigation. I got, um, I know LA is where a, a big base of the Hana historian followers are, are from. And also cause I, I would love to take my brother out on investigation. He is a, a huge skeptic, which doesn't bother me. It just makes me very adamant in wanting to show him, you know, kind of like a, you know, walk a mile in my shoes, see the things that I've seen over the course of the past, you know, 10, 12 years at these locations and you wouldn't have a doubt in your mind that I really want to, I really want to give him that chance to see some of this stuff. But he, he never had any of the like uh, gray mist uh, at he night. He did. He, he was the, he was the first one to have that. And to be honest, I couldn't tell you why he uh, doesn't really have any belief in it. He's, he's one of those guys that a ghost could walk up right in front of him and slap him across the face and then just dissipate into the air. And he'd look around and like, you know, recoup, gather himself like, all right, all right, a weird wind phenomena, and then just go about its day. <laughs> See, that's the thing that I'm saying, like, there's so many places out here that like those kinds of people just live in, and you'll just never know that they're haunted until yeah. they they move out and someone like me that's a loud mouth and wants to like tell the whole world about how uh, interesting it is, uh, then they'll know. But uh, until then, you know, these these poor ghosts are not getting the exposure. They're not. Exactly. And that's why I think uh, I, I think one of the things that bothers me most about some shows, there are great teams on TV. They all go in to the owners or the people who have been there and are running it or have visited and bit, visited it and been haunted by it by it in the past. And they do it under the auspice saying, we're going to solve this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to give a voice to these ghosts and we're going to like take care of this haunting and we're going to bring peace to the living at this location. And every single one of them will walk on in there. They'll hear an EVP, absolutely lose their shit, run into the next room. And then the episode ends and it'll, it'll just pan out in some aerial shot of the location. Like we can say without a shadow of a doubt that, you know, X location is haunted on to the next one. And it's like you guys didn't do anything. Well, but then the, then the next season of the next TV show can go in there because the ghosts are still hanging out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have some contact with a lot of people in these shows. They're all great people. They're all good investigators. You know, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it is just luck. You know, I, um, I, I, I talk to some people who will reach out to the page wanting to know how to be an investigator. I'll tell them you can be an investigator just sitting on your couch and watching these shows. Like, but they want to get out there. They're like, we want to be a great investigator like you. And I'm like, it is very likely that you could be a better investigator than me in like half an hour. Like anybody will ask the same questions. Everybody will use the same equipment. Everybody will recount the history at the end of the day. You know, it's kind of like poker. It's just, it's the cards that you're dealt. Like something's going to happen that night. Something's not. To say anybody's better than anybody is just, uh, it's not true. Everybody can be an investigator, and there's literally just no hierarchy to it. Everyone's in the same playing field. I just always think about how much time, like, it's, you you can't always find stuff in a day and a half or two days. Like, it's just yeah. a matter of, of how the ghosts are feeling that day or whatever. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, because, you know, one thing I would love to 
give my two cents. <laughs> I'm a very opinionated guy. If you haven't, if you haven't heard, figure that out already. Give it to you us. Know, one of the uh, one of the reasons we look for places that haven't been investigated or haven't been open to the public before is because I, I'm a big believer in spiritual fatigue. You know, if we're operating under the assumption that a location could potentially have an intelligent haunting, then you got to kind of think of those people as just obviously just human beings in a different realm. You know, the same as the same as you or I wouldn't like some group of eight people walking into our house or walking into wherever we're inhabiting four or five times a week, demanding that we touch this or demanding that we say that or that we bang on a wall. After a period of time, you just stop listening. You just stop doing it. And and that's why we look for the places that no one's been because they're they're ripe. The spirits in there are waiting to have the opportunity to communicate so that they've, they've never had that chance before. It leaves it less up to, you know, the universe and fate to see what happens tonight and more so up to the investigator to seek out a place where they can actually have an impact. See, now I have <clears throat> a little bit of a theory about here in Hollywood that there are so many actively haunted places because the ghosts are the kind of people that are like time to perform like they're they like live like they love the love the attention i mean i i know a lot of people in my life that are living that when it's their time to be a ghost there is going to be hard to shut them up they're myself <laughs> included it's like okay let's uh the more the merrier come on in i'm going to perform for you but yeah a lot of ghosts aren't that way <laughs> yeah no i mean i uh I too often think if I'm ever going to get the chance to be a ghost and if I will be haunting people, but I, I 100% agree with, um, with that theory. I, I think that's less of a theory. We can always claim that as more of a fact. I mean, that's a, uh, it's Hollywood. It's the, <laughs> it's the big, big, big city there. I mean, it's absolutely, that's gotta be a reason. Whenever you, whenever you do hear about a haunted location, I feel like they're usually noteworthy for their ghosts, their, their resident ghosts being kind of famous figures Oh, totally. Or people that were trying to be famous, you know, unfinished business or that yeah. whole idea. Absolutely. Just like the uh, that Hollywood sign girl. I can't oh, remember her name right now. Peg Entwistle. That's right. That's right. Speaking of uh, EVPs a moment ago, you want to hear some ghost voices? Yeah, I'm very excited to hear these. Okay, it's time for EVPs or EV please. <laughs> okay, so what I do is I go to YouTube, I find some EVPs, all kinds of people post these things, and, um, you know, I think they're usually pretty legit, but sometimes it's hard to say. And I will say, especially over Zoom, it's tough, but... Um, I'll play it. Give me a guess. Tell me what you think you hear. Um, and then I'll give you some options of either, you know, well, it's what, what the investigator thinks it says. But you just tell me whatever, whatever you think you hear or whatever. Okay. Here we oh. go. This first one is, it was posted by Mo Quinn Jr. on YouTube. And it is at the Sika Hollow State Park in Northeast South Dakota. What is this ghost saying? a pretty quick one i'll play it again one more time i had like three three things come to my mind i i heard a child i heard it saying shh or like shut okay wait let me play it again i feel like i'm i keep wanting to hear a child there like a very muffled like Okay, 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 I hear that. Okay, here's some options. One of these is what uh, Mo Quinn Jr. thinks. Is it A, shut up. B, I'm Shauna. C, I should have. Or D, bruschetta. Okay, I'm going to play it again. <laughs> oh, God, I hope it was D. What do you think? I... Of, of all those, I would say shut up. And just because my the last one I thought I was saying, I heard shut. And that's what, yes, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, it, shut up. Yeah, here, I'll play it again. Okay, not too bad. All right, here's another one. This one is from Todd Sheldon on YouTube, and it is at, uh, I believe it's at Todd's home. It's in Kenbook, Maine. And um, you tell me what you hear. Oh, that is a robotic voice right there. <laughs> yes, I'm assuming that there was some editing going on here. Uh, we'll try it again. It's a little daft punky. Um, what'd you say? I hear it one more time. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I gotta tell you, I don't I don't have the foggiest <laughs> I can barely make out any kind of tone in that. <laughs> okay, I'll give you some options. Is it A, hey girl, how you doing? B, hey turkey, C does not compute, or D lazy Susan. Okay, here we go. One more time. I, I heard hey. I I heard it. <laughs> I hate to say it. I heard hey girl. <laughs> hey girl, how you doing? Hey girl, how you doing? That, I've ne- I've never heard uh, an EVP that edited. Hey, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's like um, maybe it's a robot ghost. Um, they believe it says hey turkey, like. As in, like, I think they even wrote, like, they got called a turkey. Here, I'm going to play it again. (laughs) Hey, turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. God, I love YouTube. (sighs) Okay, let's do one more thing here. I'm just going to rattle off, like, a bunch of paranormally things. Unexplained phenomenas. And, I mean, since you're, like, a paranormal professional, I'm sure you'll have so much to say, but just, uh, you know, give me a thought or an anecdote or a theory or something that comes to mind, okay? All right. What about demonic possession? That is a tricky one for me. I think demons are far less present than a lot of popular paranormal media makes them out to be i think most darkness most near duel spirits and occurrences people have are bad spirits not demons mm-hmm. mainly mainly because a demon wants to not be known as a demon they need to operate under secrecy and work to you know according to the bible and all that stuff take your soul and whenever a person on tv or in a youtube show or anything like that encounters what they dub a demon they'll usually ask like what are you and they'll be like, Satan or a demon. And it's like, guys, the second they say that, you know it's not a demon. <laughs> like that that should be the most It's clear. just like some cosplayer ghost or like somebody <laughs> that like likes to do live action role plays or something. <laughs> exactly. I, I have only had one experience with one. I helped out with um the Catholic diocese in Columbus with um an exorcism a couple of years back. And that was probably the most horrifying night of my life. I never want to do anything like that again, but it definitely reaffirmed in my head that, you know, there's, there's good and there is evil. And that, that was evil. Connor. Okay. I have to wrap this up and I have to hear this. Uh, Can you please tell me about this? (laughs) You can't just throw (laughs) out that you went to a, a, an exorcism. What happened? (laughs) Well, this family had been getting terrorized for years. I had a cohort that I worked with out there in the Columbus area who reached out to me that he'd investigated this place a number of times, couldn't figure anything out that was going there beyond all the occurrences that were taking place. For the next six months, I had a correspondence with the husband and wife who lived there. They had three children, three relatively young children inside of the house. And we were trying to work out theories and I was trying to connect them with the right people to get this taken care of. Uh, It took a turn. Uh, one week when the wife, all, all these people will, will remain nameless, of course, but it took a turn one week when I get a text from the father. The entire family is in the hospital. And I ask, oh my goodness, is everything all right? I kind of figured, you know, why you're reaching out to me about this. He says that they had woken up and their youngest daughter, who's about five years old, was just standing at the edge of their bed, Samora, from 
the ring. <laughs> Got a style hair hanging over her face. Oh, just no. In a trance. And she wouldn't move and she was kind of growling and she wouldn't do anything. They threw holy water at her and she kind of lifts her head up and is fine, almost just in a daze. But when that was all said and done, the wife had bruises and scratch marks and all these abrasions all across her body. And you know, I, I don't put a lot of stock in the people who tell me outlandish stories like that. They sent me all the pictures inside of the hospital room. They sent me all of the hospital reports. They video, they, they, they were FaceTiming me and showing everything that was on her body. It was the most horrific thing I'd ever seen. I immediately contacted a clairvoyant I work with in Texas, my team in Ohio, my team in Arizona. We all converged at uh, this house in Columbus with um, the archdiocese out there and went about performing what I, what I guess is just a, a run-of-the-mill exorcism. That <laughs> run-of-the-mill. Run-of-the-mill. It's, it's <laughs> just every, every other Friday. But um, it, it evoked activity that I didn't think existed. Things happened that, and I, I know I know you're trying to wrap it up. So I no, I want to hear I, it. <laughs> okay, I, I was going to say I didn't want to like eat into that. Well, I'll give you three occurrences. First occurrence, we're all in the basement. We have the clairvoyant with us. The the uh, wife and the children have left. It's just the rest of us. The husband has stayed to help guide us through. When we walk into the basement, the clairvoyant looks to one portion of it and just starts shaking her head and just start like murmuring to herself, like no, no that. That shouldn't be there. That's not supposed to be there. And we're all just looking at her, kind of like staring at each other. What is she talking about? And she she turns back around and says the exact same thing to the husband, like not even directing it, just saying it at him. Just that's that that shouldn't be there. Why is this here? Why is this happening? And he's very confused. He's looking at us like, should I, should I be responding to this? And so I finally ask her. I'm just like, what are you talking about? What shouldn't be here? Like, what are you seeing, or what are you trying to direct us towards right now? And she says this entire portion of the basement that's not supposed to be there and the homeowner looks at her and he's like you know oddly enough this was um, a mess up in the blueprints when we initially had the home built they kind of messed up in like the width on their parcel of land and it started going one way when they're supposed to be going another and so they just ended up in an extra large basement with this entire like 20 by 20 portion that originally wasn't supposed to be there and she's shaking her head for like a minute and finally just like looks back over into this dark that dark area of the basement just like it shouldn't be there. That's where she was. And we're just like looking at her like, who's she? And she just, like something out of the country, just turns around and looks at me. And just like, that's where she was buried. And we're just like, what? who was buried there? And I, Roz, I, I go out of my way to ensure that I can disprove everything in the world. I personally believe in like 15% of the occurrences that I've seen because I work so hard to disprove them. And I say that because once she said that again, the table in the middle of the room flipped over. I mean, we caught it on video, the living room table flipping over and she starts like screaming the clairvoyant. And she's like, you can't do this. You don't belong here. And you hear footsteps running up the, 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 the uncovered wooden stairs, the basement heading back up into the foyer. And she's chasing it. We're, the rest of us are just standing there watching her chase this thing. And we don't know what's going on. And we sprint up there. We're trying to follow her. The, pre the priests are there. And they're just kind of just like, because this was the tour. We hadn't really started anything yet. And we get up there into the main room and she's like spinning. Like she's like looking all around her, the clairvoyant is in the middle of the, of the living room as though something's like enveloping her or wrapping around her. And then she just stops. Like she stops so fast. You would have thought someone like wrapped their arms around her and just stopped her. And she turns around and she looks at the homeowner, at, at the husband there. And she just starts nodding her head. And she's like, everybody get away from him. And we get away from him. And she kind of gets this weird smile, which we kind of thought looked maniacal, but we kind of figured out later is because she finally found it. And she looks at him and she's like, I need you not to move. And he's like, is everything okay? And she's like, you're fine. She's just right behind you. <laughs> and so the second she says that, I just kind of like lose it. I'm like, just start reading the scripture. And so the priests break open the Bible and they start reading this like highlighted verse they had. They read it one time and you hear it sounds like a male and a female talking in the kitchen. And I keep saying after every time they, they read it, do it again, do it again, do it again. And every time they do it again, something new happens. The first time, 
we hear the voices in the kitchen. The second time, the investigator we had sitting at the base of the stairs going to the upper floor, kind of like it's almost like pushed forward into the staircase leading up to the kid's playroom. And he's like, what the hell was that? Who pushed me? And you hear the footsteps as he falls over going up the stairs. I say, read it again. You see this white, weird, eerie mist walk across the bedroom, sorry, the, the, the door of the playroom and go in there. I say, read it again. And you hear the toys and the chairs up there just like clamoring as though something's tossing everything, destroying the room. And we say, hear it again. And you just sound, hear it sounds like somebody slamming with their full weight against the wall. And we rush up there because the, we just rush up there. We didn't know what to think. We were just completely overcome what we had just experienced. And we get up there and we stop. And she kind of starts sweating, the clairvoyant does. And she's like, well, we have it for now. And we're like, we have what for now? And she points back to a tent. She hasn't been in this room yet. She hasn't seen anything in this room yet. But she points behind this pink princess tent the kids had and said, that's where it stays. And I'm like, inside of that tent? And she's like, no, behind the tent. And we go over there and we move the tent. And again, she has no idea what's in there. When we move it, there is this weird old boarded up crawl space that's just going above the parents' bedroom that none of them had ever been inside of that they didn't really mess around with since they bought the home. But she says, that's where it's staying right now. And the second she says that, the homeowner is just like, that, that makes sense. Like the other two psychics we've had here has said, it's up here. And we couldn't do anything else for the night. We had to like get um, a, por- a person who specializes in portals up from Florida there later on in the year. But I thought it was going to be the first time I got in my car to leave that we actually proved something to the homeowners. That whatever is there, whatever darkness is there, whatever is attacking them and possessing their daughter and hurting the wife, it has a weakness. You know, you can read scripture, you can show strength, you can show, you know, you're going to stand your ground and you can face this thing. And I called my investigators saying that after we were done, like, we should be proud of what we just did. But the second I say that into the phone while we're all getting on the highway, leaving that house that night, Alex, the uh, guy I work with out of Ohio, is like, Connor, we didn't do anything. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I just got off the phone with um, the, the, the homeowner. I'm like, is he okay? Are they scared? They're leaving again? Once the girls and the wife came back, I think it took 10 minutes for us to be gone. They put the kids to bed and they went into their red bedroom to get ready for the night. They stood inside of their restroom that has an adjacent door leading into their walk-in closet. And as they're standing there, they just hear clear as day, something standing in the doorway of their closet. And it's whistling daisy, daisy to them. Like, just like, da, 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 da. And the wife barricades herself in the shower. And the husband is kind of just like backing up. He says that he's like throwing random stuff from the counter into the closet. And the second he does that, you hear like three thundering footsteps walk out of the closet and just stand in the middle of the restroom. And they could just feel it looking at them. It didn't want them. It wanted something else. And that's what he said. That's what he said to the wife. He said, it doesn't want us. It wants something else. It's like, you don't scare us. And the second he did that, they just hear, it again, the same thundering footsteps leave the room and sprint upstairs towards the kid's bedroom. And that was the last I heard of it. Oh, my God. It's very rare on this podcast. Uh, well, it's happened a few times where I'm like, I don't know if I can take it anymore. This is too scary. <laughs> this is so scary. This sounds like something from a movie. It felt like a movie. There, that, that's, that is a small taste of it. There um I've I've talked fully about it before, but it could be like a full two-hour ordeal, oh outlining start to finish. It was um, a horrifying evening. Um, I didn't necessarily not believe in demons or anything like that, but I, after traveling so much and not encountering any, and really being able to chalk most of it up to human entities, mm-hmm. I didn't have too much stock in it. But that night really changed things. I want to talk about it more. Can you please come back one of these times? Yeah, I'd, I'd be more than welcome to come back and just talk about the exorcism. <laughs> Please do. 
Oh, okay. Well, I have to wrap it up here, but thank you so much for coming on. And can you tell people once again, you know, about your Instagram and where to find you and all that stuff? Absolutely. It is at haunted.historian on Instagram and at the Connor Gossel on Facebook. Uh, Facebook was made at the beginning of this year. So the following is not quite as large, but it's definitely grown fast. But those are the, the outlets you can find us on. Shoot us your encounters, your stories or different regions, specific places you want investigated. We're always looking for, you know, insight from people that, you know, might know better than us about a lot of these places. And you're an amazing storyteller. I'm also going to throw that in there, um, obviously, based on this conversation. And thank you so much. What a dream of a guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much to the haunted historian, Connor Gossel. And again, go follow the Instagram page at haunted.historian. I'm working on some new guests for the show. Very excited to make sure you guys are subscribed. Hey, go tell your friends. Tell your friends about the show. Pass the word along. I always appreciate it. Please give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a ghost story, you could write it in a five-star review, or you could just write something nice about me. Or you could put a, a ghost story in the Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dresvelez. You could follow me on Instagram at Roz Hernandez. I'm on Cameo, Roz Dresvelez. Oh, what else? You want to be on a listener episode? We've got a good one. I just recorded it. It comes out next week. If you want to be on an upcoming one, email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line listener episode. And if you want to buy some exclusive Ghosted by Roz Dresfalez merch, go to the Instagram, uh, the link in my Instagram bio. You can find it there. And, uh, you know, if you don't have Instagram, send me an email. I'll send you the link. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! A podcast network.